0: No, 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 no.
1: among us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. You guys are not going to believe this, but it's actually snowing outside. Now when I grew up, I loved snow. When I lived in LA, I craved snow. I once went three years, I think, without seeing it. And now that we live in the mountains and we experience snow on a regular basis, I'll be honest, I still love it. But snow in March is just downright cruel. Now I have what I believe to be an excellent episode lined up for you guys this evening. Now I say it that way because due to a recent camping trip and a bit of a time crunch, I did not have time to prepare this episode. So tonight is going to be yet another grab bag episode. So what do you say we quit talking about it and start sharing some of these stories? Now keep in mind going forward that I have not heard a single one of these stories for this evening, so these are all a surprise to me. Hopefully we uncover some really fun and creepy stuff. And to kick things off for the evening, we're going to start off with Joe's call out of the state of Oregon. Hey,
2: Derek. Uh, this is Joe from Oregon. I just wanted to call and... Uh... Let you know I really appreciate the podcast, I'm relatively new to it, uh, my brother kind of turned me on to it, and um, since then it's been about a few weeks I have been to it pretty much every day, any chance I get when I'm riding my truck. Um, I really haven't ever had anything paranormal or of the sort happen happened to me, but I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, and I've always been little fascinated like with Bigfoot, UFOs and whatnot through your podcast and actually learned about a lot of other things that I never really knew existed. My girlfriend and I and my three kids decided here last uh, weekend before last, I think it was like the week of the 15th, decided to take a trip down to Crescent City, California to go to the coast. And uh, we left uh, on a Saturday. The weather going down was pretty bad um, almost all the way there, but luckily enough, once we got there, the weather kind of cleared up. And um, so we decided to go walk on the beach. And this is actually kind of a series of events that happened. And so we're walking on the beach and we noticed that there was a lighthouse out a little ways. And um, my girlfriend really likes lighthouses, so she thought we'd go ahead and uh, drive on over and go check it out, Maybe we could walk up to it. And um, one thing that kind of happened was I saw the lighthouse light turn on, it looked like, just for a brief second, and so I mentioned to her, hey, see the lighthouse it looks like it turned on and she kinda just chuckled at me and it just came on for a second, kinda like if you were um those lights that you dim the light with the switch on and off and it was just real quick. Didn't really think anything of it, figured maybe the sunlight hit it or something. You know, I have to sit up and listen to your podcast, uh any odd thing, uh immediately go to the idea of something from strange or paranormal happening. But um anyways, uh so didn't really think anything of it. We drove over to the, to the lighthouse, it was low tide, it's actually called Battery Point Lighthouse, and uh, we parked our car, and were able to walk up and check it out, and I didn't realize this until after this, the fact, when I was kind of doing a research after the weekend that we had, um, it was actually supposed to be haunted, it's, uh, you know, early 1800s, I believe, when it was built, and was things of that happened, and it's uh, supposed to be haunted, so, but anyways, we walked up to it. Walked around. Um, anytime it's like an old structure, old you know place, I always like to you know kind of feel the ground of the building or whatever, and just kind of get in touch with it. It was pretty cool. It seemed real historical. We had a lot of fun, and then uh, we left and uh, went home to the house we rented an Airbnb. And um, a normal night, watched a movie, went to bed. Sunday, we decided to drive up to what's called the Prehistoric Garden and uh, check that out. On the way there, this is when was kind of the first thing that happened. And again, I've never really had anything weird happen to me. So we're driving, and it's raining on and off, so the roads are a little wet, and the sun happened to be out, so there was some um, water evaporating off the roads am wearing my sunglasses. Right about in the middle of the road, I see, like, this weird kind of, uh, the only way to really describe it would be this figure kind of just start across the road. And I kind of look over to my girlfriend and I say, did you see that? And she goes, yeah, that was weird. And mind you, my girlfriend is a police skeptic. She doesn't buy into anything paranormal, bigfoot, she always laughs at me when I try to show her things or or, whatnot, but she uh, she saw it too. The only way to really describe it was, like I said, it was like, um, it moved across the road real fast and it had just the real like, ghost-like feel to it. It wasn't, um, you know, anything like... So I immediately thought, well, maybe it's just the water evaporating off the road, and the wind blew it across, but it was real kind of a thick, smoky, kind of transparent, somewhat of a figure, and it was almost like if a deer was running across the road. We were about, I want to say, about 20 minutes heading north on Highway 101, just a little outside of Gold Beach, to the prehistoric guards up there. This figure ran across the road. It again, it just appeared to be, um, you know, real kind of ghost-like. Um, and I immediately thought of all the possible reasons of what it be. You know, maybe it was a bird flying overhead, shadow. or Maybe there was the water evaporating off the road and blew it across. But it was just, it was really odd. My girlfriend again, a big skeptic. Um, she thought it was really weird. So. Just kind of shook it off. Thought that was strange. We'd we Good the garden. Um, had some fun with the kids and came back to the house. Um, Nothing really out of the ordinary at all that, that night. We kind of talked about it a little bit. She was laughing at me, but I, I couldn't, you know, get it out of my mind of what that possibility could be. And uh, we drove home Monday and um, started the work week. And it was, uh, I think, it was Tuesday evening is when something really, really strange happened to me Is what made me call this in. Um, we were laying there going to sleep. I want to say it was about 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, and um, I'm just about ready to fall asleep, and she's on her phone, just kind of in it, Facebook or something, and we hear this knock, knock, knock. I immediately kind of got my attention. I asked her, was that your phone? She said, no, that was not my phone said again that was that's strange so i i got up just grabbed my flashlight because um, my the way my bed faces it was coming from the left wall where my face the left wall which is actually the towards the backyard of our house i uh, went outside just kind of looked and nothing was out there i even went to, to the front door you know pull the front door see if someone was knocking on the door but it was real late at night we live in a very quiet neighborhood outside of town. Um, of course, no one was there. Huh? No big deal. Went back to bed, laying there again. About five minutes later, knock, knock, knock. Uh, man, that is so weird. Um, and same same sequence, three knocks, um, just loud enough like it, it sounded like if someone was banging outside on the wall. Um, she kind of got a little bit freaked out. So we both got up, again, we went outside, shine my flashlight around, Nothing's out there. We live in a residential neighborhood. There's houses on every side, but again, it's on the it's outside of town. It would be very odd for anybody to be outside in our backyard. It's fully fenced. Okay, so we thought we'd just go back to bed. It was strange. Um, five minutes later, knock, 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 We knock. At this point, it, I was pretty kind of they not concerned, but just kind of alarmed. Couldn't figure out what it was. The knocks were so consistent. I, I couldn't imagine. You know, my first thought: well, maybe it's the furnace. It was kind of a cold, rainy night. You know, not snowing, but it's low 40s, maybe high uh, high 30s. So I'm thinking, well, maybe it's the furnace or, or cooling down or heating up, cooling down. I don't know. But um, at this point, I set my my watch, um, this, this stopwatch. And six minutes later, knock, knock, knock. And just like that, like you're almost like you're knocking on the wall. Knock, knock, knock. That went on probably for about every five, between five and ten minutes that went on. Probably, I can remember, because eventually I went to sleep for about an hour. Every five to ten minutes, knock, knock, knock. Couldn't figure out what it was. Of course, you know, the whole number three... It has a pretty creepy uh, theory behind it, urban legend behind it, and I just, you know, kind of wanted to know what your thoughts on it were. I mean, my whole life, 35, nothing really out of the ordinary paranormal has ever happened to me. It was just a really weird kind of sequence of events that happened. Nothing really had me kind of alarmed until um, that night with the knocking, it's been on my mind since I have, you know, I have some white stage. I'm um, thinking about just in my house. We just recently moved into there last November. Um, the lady was a widow, so I wasn't sure if maybe that, you know, if, if uh, there was anything going on there. But just kind of wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. And like I was saying before, you know, with the old tree and the urban legend behind that, it's, it's been kind of uh, kind of freaky. The energy in the house has been uh, real kind of sick. So, um, yeah, appreciate the podcast gives people, you know, uh, an avenue to be able to kind of get some things that have happened to them out without, you know, telling a buddy where they laugh at you and make fun of you. If anybody else has ever had an experience like this, I'd love to know their thoughts and kind of like to know your thoughts on it. You know? So appreciate it. Um, thanks again. Appreciate the good work. Keep it up.
1: Thank you, Joe. Now that region of California and the western coast in general ...is notorious for its fog. Now, it is possible that Joe simply saw fog shaped like a person. After all, it does sound like he did a good bit of driving that day. So it's possible he had tired eyes. Then again, his girlfriend also claimed to have seen the apparition. So perhaps that hits the reset button, so to speak. Now, as for the knocks, there are several things that can produce a knocking sound in your walls... Sudden temperature changes can cause shrinking and swelling, which, in turn, can cause knocking. Pipes that aren't properly secured can also produce a knocking sound when water is turned on or off. And I don't even have to remind you about mice, rats, and squirrels. But I do find it interesting that Joe's experience took place shortly after his first strange experience. Something that leads me to think one of two things. Either whatever Joe witnessed followed him home, or perhaps the sighting he had put him on high alert, which is how he was able to notice the knocks, something that may have been there for some time, whatever it happens to be. Either way, Joe, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to share your story. I need to look up more about this lighthouse business now, I think. In the interest of keeping the train rolling, we're going to move on to our next call. The following comes to us from an anonymous source from the state of Georgia.
3: Hi, yes, I'm calling from South Georgia, and I had debated whether to call you or not, but um, since I'd recently discovered your uh, podcast channel, I had listened to some of the other stories and thought maybe I would call and share some events that happened to me um, a number of years ago when I was a small child. So back in uh, 1969, my family, which was myself, my three older sisters, my mom and dad, lived in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Due to a a hurricane in the summer of 1969, um, our home received a lot of damage, and um, my mom decided that she wanted the family to move back to South Georgia again. So my dad was able to get a transfer from his job. Um, back to southwest Georgia. We rented a small house for just a few months while we were waiting for a house to buy. Um, The house was several blocks from where my grandparents lived, so it was very convenient for my parents. Anyway, like I said, I had three older sisters. Uh, Two of my sisters were teenagers, and they shared a bedroom. And then my sister, who was a little older than me, I believe she was probably nine, she had her own bedroom. And I had my own bedroom, and I was seven. So, not too long after we moved in the house, my, my sister, who was nine, she started becoming frightened about uh, staying in her bedroom by herself at night, and she told my parents that there was a woman in her mirror. Her bed was such that she could lay in her bed, and she could look across to her dresser, and she could actually see herself in the, in the mirror, and with the reflection from the nightlight, she could see um, pretty well. So she got in the habit of sneaking into my bedroom with me and sleeping in my bed with me after my parents went to sleep because she would tell me that there was a woman in her mirror Um, and that went on for maybe a couple of months one night my grandfather had to go out of town for three days and so my sister uh, spent the night with my grandmother who like i said lived a few blocks away so that night when i was um, sleeping in my room i woke up and There was a woman who at first i thought was my mother um standing in my bedroom and i had a nightlight as well so i could see her she was standing by the door which was uh, cracked open so she appeared to look at me for a few minutes and then she turned to walk away and thinking it was my mom i got up to follow her she was walking towards my sister's room um which as i said my sister was sleeping over at my grandmother's house and so the room was empty and the door was closed Well, as she was walking, she walked into the room, and as I went to follow her, I smacked into the door, because it turns out the door was closed and she had walked through it. So at that point, I was a little frightened, but I think I was mostly sleepy, so I just went back and got to my bed. So the next night again, my sister was still sleeping over at my grandparents' house. I woke up again in the middle of the night, and the woman was still standing in my room again. Um, She had a white, like a Gown, I guess you call it a nightgown, on. And she had dark hair like my mother's, but it was a little bit longer. This time she was standing next to my bed and she was just looking down at me. And I can just remember just being froze, not being able to do anything. And she just stood there for what seemed like an hour, but I'm sure it was just several minutes. And I put my head under the, the covers and just lay there um, for I don't know how long. And I finally, when I peeked out, she was gone. And then just as small children do, I just fell back to sleep. So the third night, which was actually the last night my sister was not going to be sleeping in her room. Again, I woke up in the middle of the night and this person, this woman, she was leaning over my bed and her face was just like several inches from my face. And I had the feeling that there was a pillow across my chest and I could... Imagine that there was the weight of her body on the pillow. However, and my my hands were pinned beneath the pillow and I was just frozen Couldn't do anything. I just stared straight in her eyes, which were like, you know, four inches above my face And I was aware that I was just breathing heavy and then all of a sudden uh, my mom and dad came in the room and turned the light on and the woman disappeared and My mom said that I had been making these loud, groaning, sort of screaming noises, and, you know, then she just assumed I had a bad dream. So she sat in there with me for just a little while, and my dad went back to bed, and of course I fell back to sleep. On the fourth night, my sister returned home from uh, spending three nights with my grandmother while my grandfather was out of town. And uh, just like she had previously, as soon as my parents went to bed, she would come in and, and sleep with me and I told her uh, the first night back that I had seen the lady that was in her mirror. And you know, I can't really remember what we said at that point, but uh, this went on for uh, you know, for several more weeks. Um, if Either my sister would spend the night with my grandparents or she might stay with one of her friends at a sleepover party, but the other night she would come in my room after my parents went to bed. Um, the strange thing is though, that every night she came to stay in my bed with me, the woman wouldn't come into my room like she did when my sister was away. I don't know if um, you know, if the woman just uh, wanted that room to herself. I'm not quite sure why. But uh, a- after a few months, we ended up moving into a house that my, uh, my parents bought. And I never really told the story to too many people throughout the years. And sometimes I would go years without thinking of it. Um, But since I started listening to your podcast and listening to other people tell their stories, it sort of brought back those memories, and um, I thought that I would share those with you. Thanks.
1: Thank you, caller. Now, to me, this sounds a lot like sleep paralysis. But it makes no sense that both the caller and his sister saw the same apparition. That's certainly not the way sleep paralysis usually works. Unless, perhaps, both the caller and his sister saw the same scary film, with the same scary ghost lady. And then, while experiencing their own sleep paralysis episodes, they each hallucinated the same image independently. Again, not likely that that's the case. That's a bit of a stretch in itself, but the way these paranormal encounters work, it's drawing at straws until you find something that really seems to stick. So, thank you very much, Caller, for taking the time to share that terrifying story. Now, before I launch into our next call of the evening, I want to remind everyone that I recently sat down with Justin and formerly Jen, now Harley, of the Glimmerman experiences from Season 6 for an upcoming Patreon deep dive. I'm hoping to get that episode edited and out by Monday morning. So, you still have a few days if you want to sign on to Patreon. Just hit up patreon.com and search for Monsters Among Us Podcast. $4 a month gets you access to all the back uh, episodes, videos, and everything that's been available to past Patreon members. And uh, I shouldn't tell you this, but if you really want to check out the episode, you can sign on for one month and cancel, and it's only going to cost you $4. But if you like what you hear, uh, this is going to be two extra episodes a month, one paranormal news episode and one Uh, deep dive on a past call episode. So if you find it something you're interested in, uh, you know, hang on for a couple months and see what comes out. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash I think monsters among us podcast or just search monsters among us podcast or better yet hit the link up in tonight's show notes. And on that note, our next call of the evening comes to us from Samuel in the state
4: of Texas. Hi, my name is Samuel. Uh, The story that I'm about to go ahead and tell you takes place in San Antonio, Texas, Beacon Field Drive, uh, 1994-95. Four of us, four of my siblings and my parents, of course, moved into a new house. Uh, One of the first things that people told us was that before we moved in, a newborn baby, I guess, had fallen off out, out of the screen and uh, hit the pavement right below the master bedroom. Uh, didn't take that too seriously, but it was something that the kids around the input just did tell us. Our parents never mentioned any of it to us. Um, after we moved in, a few strange occurrences happened, of course. One of the first things, and there is actually photographic evidence of this, was uh, early in the morning, foggy. My brothers woke me up because they would wake up before I did to get to their school and they said they saw a ghost down on our backyard, in the farmhouse in our backyard. Now, the farmhouse was across the street, but we could see it clear as day, literally across the street from where we lived, in the back, uh, and, and it's about three to five acres of land, as I recall, and right next to that was the cemetery. Now, back to the story of uh, the ghost, naturally being a little bit younger than them, freaking me out, but I happened to look out the window anyway. And the figure I saw was seemed like a person wearing a re- wedding dress who my young sister says that she swears was not touching the ground. And uh I do recall that the veil was very, very long though. And in fact it's more than recall, there is a photograph somewhere between me and my family members of this picture, of this one figure. Uh, The second occurrence happened is that the cemetery was always a hot spot for weird things. One of the things that I recall seeing is a uh, really disturbing uh, person doing, I don't know, I guess I could go ahead and say demented acts of the cemetery. So it was a really strange place. Now Halloween night nineteen ninety five. That's a little more personal. Uh, my siblings and I went to a party in uh right across the street from our house and uh on the in the front side obviously. And uh what happened is that somebody bought out a Ouija board and me and my siblings were pretty religious. We didn't really want to devil or dabble in that stuff. And so I asked my brother to take me home, and one of his friends said, ask the Ouija board should Tim go home. The Ouija board then started to move. I need to text how you want. It said I-F-H-E-W-A-N-T-S-T-O-D-I-E. Two course spells if he wants to die. I guess at the, uh, and just like that, it was a garage party, mind you. We look out, we start walking, and there are a couple, there's a car of a group of a gang that had issues with my brother. They kept circling the block a couple times, which was strange, given that what just happened with the Ouija board. I still get chills talking about this. Uh, we ran home, first chance we got of course, locked the door and called it the night. Not too long after that, around winter break, my brothers went back home to move with their mom in Albuquerque. Um, I did, and then my family moved about a couple months later. I We still talk about this. Again, there is photographic evidence of the uh, of the strange bride, ghost, whatever you want to call it, from the farmhouse. And the uh, weird thing about that farmhouse there was land, but I'd never recall actually ever seeing anybody live there. It was run down, it's what you would really describe as a run down shack. looks almost unlivable.
1: Thank you, Samuel. Unfortunately, it seems that Samuel's call was a bit cut off, but I think we got the gist of most of it. Now, Samuel, do me a favor and email me that picture. I'm really interested to see what you guys captured there. Now speaking of the lady, is it possible that this mystery woman is responsible for nearly all of the encounters that Samuel mentioned? If she's homeless and living behind the graveyard, is it possible that she might also howl at night, or wear a found wedding dress? Now also, the infant that uh, Samuel mentioned that kind of information should be available either through death records or perhaps uh, some genealogy or even news reports from the time that kind of information is valuable in trying to determine you know, exactly who may be haunting something or perhaps what and the last thing I want to mention is that if the spirits did what Samuel claims then perhaps they can't be all that bad because it seemed they helped keep him and his brother out of harm's way Thank you again, Samuel, for taking the time to share your call. Now, before I play the last couple calls of the evening, I need to cover a few of these announcements. Next week will be dark. And I truly apologize for that, but I'm actually going to take a couple days off, and Sarah and I are going to go camping with our friends. So, uh, next week there will be no new show, but the good news is that uh, on Sunday there will be the Patreon episode that I talked about. And hopefully, perhaps as early as that Friday, I'll have not only one, but two new videos released, and I am not releasing those uh, strictly through Patreon. Those are going to be released wide, uh, for reasons I've mentioned in the past. So there will be new content coming out, it just won't be in the form of a show, at least for next week. Uh, After that, we're going to be back on a regularly scheduled program, and in fact I have plans to... Uh, record a couple episodes ahead so i shouldn't be missing any more episodes here anytime soon uh, unfortunately with the shooting of the tv show and uh, cryptid crate and all the other stuff i'm just simply out of time and i don't have enough time to prepare or record next week so uh, i'm gonna take a little mini vacation something i desperately need anyway so um, please bear with me while i'm doing that And speaking of episodes, I've had several people reach out to me about past episodes. Apparently a lot of these are not available on the website uh, due to some broken links. I know what the problem is, it's just a matter of me sitting down and fixing it, so I am aware of the issue. In the meantime, if you're trying to reach some of the early episodes, and I don't know why you would do this, but if you want to listen to them... You can go to libsyn.com and search Monsters Among Us Podcast, and you can find every single episode I've ever released available there, streaming and for download for free. Simply go to libsyn.com, search Monsters Among Us Podcast, and I think it's under the content tab or somewhere in there. Everything should be available. Uh, I might actually have Addy post something up in the Facebook group this week to kind of direct you guys to that But hopefully here in the next week or two, I'll have the time to actually get those links fixed, and it won't be much of an issue. And lastly, I mentioned the TV show, but I'm going to mention it again. If you guys want to see my ugly mug on the television, every Wednesday night at 10 Eastern, you can catch Paranormal caught on camera on the Travel Channel. They dive into some interesting footage. Some is more interesting than others, but uh, it's a pretty good time and a great gateway drug uh, for the paranormal world. So if you have a significant other or a friend you're trying to get into the field, this is a great door opener, so to speak. And lastly, if you have a story you would like to share on the show, simply give me a call on the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or shoot me an email at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Or, there's a third option, you can click the Report Your Sightings tab on the website, which is MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com. And with those out of the way, our next call of the evening comes to us from Derek in North Carolina.
5: Hey, Derek. This is Derek from North Carolina. I'm a huge fan of the show. I'm a huge fan of paranormal stuff, uh... I always like listening to hear if I hear things that are similar and I've heard a lot of similar stories. And sometimes when these things kinda of happen to you, you don't really know how to react. Um and the more I think about the situation, it makes more sense. Um so we bought a house in two thousand seventeen and it was an older house. And this you know, we bought it around the May, June time of the year. So we, North Carolina, that's a, it's an early summer, even though it's spring, everything's really hot still. So we kind of moved in, and it's a way bigger house than we were used to, um, and kind of settling into something as big is, you know, not normal. Uh, for someone who's been in a smaller house, you know, it's hard to acclimate to a size change like that. Um, but our neighbors and everybody have been really cool and, you know, kind of told us about crazy things. Things, people that lived in this house before us. Um, we think that it was a rental, and then they kind of flipped it. Uh, so, my mom is a very spiritual person, and I had to ask her what to do in this situation because I didn't know. You know, she's she's always been one that she's kind of in tune with uh, with spirits. I'll just say, um, and I feel like she's always been kind of has to, seem to talk about it, just because it's something that she kind of holds, you know, close to her heart. Um, yeah, so, it was, I would say probably morning time when this happened, and I was sitting in our bedroom, and we have uh, about 19 windows in this house, right, 19, so there's a lot of light that comes in, so when everything is kind of dark in the morning, it's very odd. Um I wanna say it never got close enough to me, but it was a I wanna say it was a shadow person. Um I was laying in our bed and our bed peers straight down the hall to the stairs. The stairs would be the middle part of the upstairs and then you have two bedrooms on each side. So back right side of the house is the master bedroom. So i was laying in the bed with the dog and my wife had gone downstairs. ...to get ready for work. Um, I just remember... ...staring in the hall... ...and everything kind of... ...I want to say it's... ...it was like like a black light growing almost. It wasn't light, but it was like a black... ...emptiness kind of growing in the middle of the hall. Kind of pulling... ...the ceiling and the walls into darkness. And... ...it was the shape of a person... It definitely was the shape of a person. It was so bizarre. I didn't feel fear when I stared at it. I just felt this empty feeling almost like like kind of pulling my energy out my not like I was dying or anything, but like pulling energy out of my body almost like just like feeling like 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 nothing almost. but I remember staring at it for a short time and if it had eyes, if it was a person like looking into the facial area of this dark mass, and then it just subsided. It freaked me out afterwards, you know, I felt very, you know, just kind of uneasy. And it took me about a couple of days to kinda of ask my mom, like, what do you think about this? Um and she told me you know, to do this ritual. When you know, you're know you in a new space, you just take a broom. You're not actually, like, shuffling anything or, or sweeping anything. You're just doing the gesture with a broom, and you're saying uh, you're not welcome. Dark spirits are not welcome here. And I did that throughout the house, and it hasn't happened since. Um, you basically push everything out, is what my mom was saying. Yeah, so I'm hoping that this, you know, will help people out if, if they've had any... These issues, and maybe not. I don't know. Um, I was kind of skeptical about it, but it, it seems to have worked out very well. Yeah, thanks uh, for letting me share my story. I hope that they hear this on the podcast. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, it's amazing work. I hope I one day can come out to one of the conventions or events that you're doing, get to shake your hand, and just tell you how much I enjoy the show. Um, yeah, thanks.
1: Thank you, Derek. Now, I've heard of saging, holy water, incense, blessings, but I've never thought of using a broom. Now, I have a funny feeling that this tradition has firm roots in Appalachian folklore. This certainly sounds like something from that region. And speaking of shaking my hand at an event, I hope to see you at this year's Cryptid Con, which is September 7th and 8th in Lexington, Kentucky. They have an amazing lineup for this year, including Bobo Fay, Cliff Brackman, David Pilates, Seth Breedlove, Jeff Meldrum. And, as if that's not enough, there's a rumor that I'll be hosting this year's town hall meeting once again. That rumor's true, by the way. And looking at the clock, that tells me that I have time for one last call. So the following is Sarah's call from the state of Texas.
6: Hi, Derek. My name is Sarah. I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. Um, What's that cliche saying? Long-time listener, first-time caller? Um, I've had the flu for about two and a half days straight, and your podcast has been the only thing to get me through uh, being home alone. Um, I have a story to share, and I really don't know what category it would fit in, but I knew you were the one to call. This was several, several years ago. Um, let me preface by say that by saying that uh, I come from a long line of mm, uh, we call them curanderas in Mexico. However, they didn't practice just white magic; they practiced a lot of dark arts as well. Uh, growing up was always very difficult for me, struggling between you know having a Christian faith and also my father's side of the family that that practiced all of these things. A few I was orphaned at a really early age. I was 11 years old and both of my parents passed away. At the time, I was living with an aunt in Oak Cliff, which is a kind of sub-part of Dallas and a pretty bad neighborhood um, that wasn't really good for, for bringing up, you know, rebellious children or children in, in any facet. So I often had a tendency at around, I think I was 13 at the time, to sneak out of the house to go hang out. I had recently uh, acquired a little boyfriend and my best friend who lived across the street would come through the alleyway to the back of my house where my bedroom was. I'd jump out the window and we'd go off to what we call Jefferson Street. It's it's the main street, no cliff, where all of the little shops and stores and stuff were. There was a 24-hour McDonald's there, so we would sneak out after our, our parents, in this case my aunt, would fall asleep and we'd go hang out. We only had a few bucks you know, between all of us, so we'd buy french fries and, you know, milkshakes and hang out until they closed. So this time, we were hanging out, and again, it was a 24-hour, but the dining room closed around midnight, so we were forced to leave. As we were walking home, we parted ways with my little boyfriend, and me and my best friend started walking back towards our house. As we passed the busy streets, which would be Jefferson and 12th Street and Oak Cliff, uh, we started getting into the residential areas. Back then, there was also a large nursing home that was in the same neighborhood on the same street as our houses were. Um, that was always a spooky place at night, but we were still a few, a few blocks away from that home. Um, as soon as we started walking and passing the busy streets and getting into the residential area where there was no lighting back then, um, this had to be in the late 90s, um, middle 90s, early 90s, not, not too early. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little hazy for me. I do have the flu. Um, In the darkness, going towards the home, I started hearing noises above us in the trees. It sounded like heavy, heavy fluttering, heavy wings. Um, There was some high-pitched kind of screaming sounds, but they were far away. The more we walked, the closer they became. I began to notice that as I walked past a tree, whatever was flying above us would land on that tree and wait for us to gain some you know, some distance and then fly up to the next street near us. And it was following us. My friend, noticeably, you know, afraid, said, hey, I'm going to leave you here. I'm going to run home. Decides to take her alleyway to her house, leaving me in the middle of the street to to make the L turn and, and go to my home. So she dumped me, you know, hauling butt all the way down to her house. As I'm walking, I'm starting to feel very nervous, and I had the very sharp, prickly sensations in the back of my neck and my ears, and I could feel the hair on my arms begin to stand up. I kept looking in the trees, trying to figure out what was following me, and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't see anything. In the be- the opening of my home, we have this very, very large tree that was kind of the, the familiar neighborhood big tree you know that everybody saw in the front of our house it was a big catalpa that stood right in front of you know the opening of the home towards the doorway my home uh, incidentally used to be a boarding home um, over a hundred years old so this antique house is built very very spookily it's, it's it's a scary home to be in and I'll share more stories about that later but as I'm trying to run to make the entrance of this home This thing is continuing to fly above me and follow me. Now, when I explain to you what I saw, um, I've never heard anyone speak about it, especially on any type of cryptid podcast or anything. Uh, So I get to the house, and I'm banging on the glass door. At this point, I don't care if I get in trouble that I got caught sneaking out. This thing is following me. I hear the thing land in the tree in front of my home, the tree in front of my home. Um, I'm screaming and banging on the door. At this point, it's, you know, after midnight. Um, clear skies, you know warm spring day, no, no big deal, but I'm terrified. My aunt opens the door. She looks behind me into the you know onto the tree and she screams at me to get in the house and she starts cussing and praying and out of her little pocket because she always wore these little aprons with big pockets, she pulls out a small bottle of holy water and starts throwing it at the air behind me. I run into the house, run straight to my room, lock the door, and the only thing I could do is jump on the bed crying and praying at the same time. Um, However, when I turned around and she was yelling at me to go into the house, I noticed this huge bird. I would almost say that it it looked like a huge bald eagle or a huge type of, not even, I can't explain it, Um, but it had the face. Of, of a female, a human female. Now, I know that sometimes um, people equate, you know, alien visitations that look like owls and, you know, with human faces or, or I, I don't know. However, this wasn't the case. It wasn't a, an owl type of of body. It was more of a bird with large claws and a large wingspan. But the face, the face is what killed me. Um, in Mexico, we call these witches, and they're called Lechusas. Now, a lechusa is a witch that is set out to cause harm and, you know, curse the family or, or for whatever reason, you know, harm the person that it's attacking. Um, there are ways to combat this, but, you know, I, I wasn't aware and I didn't practice the things that my family practiced. I wasn't into dark arts. I wasn't into anything like that. So I had no reason, you know, to be attacked or to be followed. So... Days after that, yes, my aunt, you know, prayed through holy water, did everything that she could. Days after that, I would be in my room, and at 3 in the morning, you could hear pecking on my window as if a beak was, you know, pecking at the window. I was too afraid to open the windows and look out, but I knew what it was, and I knew who it was or or what was after me. I also would go to the restroom, and in the restroom, you know, that old house, we had small windows that were, you know, high above your chest area you could barely you know kind of neck and above those little windows in the bathrooms, and it had a blind and I would go to the restroom at night and I could hear pecking on the windows this thing followed me for three months I lost a lot of sleep I became uh, an insomniac and it wasn't until I ended up leaving for a group home that it stopped following me to this day I still don't know what it is all I know is that I remember that face there were several other paranormal Um, situations that we were put in living in that home and then now coincidentally the rest of my life has been uh, pretty scarred and I have other experiences to share I just became a Patreon member tier 2 of course and really love what you're doing again thank you for helping me get through this flu and I hope to call in soon again thanks Derek, have a good one
1: thank you Sarah and I hope that you're feeling better Now I don't know a lot about the spiritual side of your encounter, but I can tell you I know a bit about the biological side of it. There is actually an often reported creature known as the Thunderbird, which is said to be a gigantic bird somewhere up to 20 to 30 feet in wingspan, that is said to have the ability to carry off people and livestock. Now we've experienced a few calls over the past few years regarding these infamous creatures, but I thought I would take a moment to touch on a particular case from Lawndale, Illinois in 1977. The following clip comes courtesy of Monster Quest, Season 1, Episode 4.
7: Lawndale, Illinois, July 25th,
1: 1977.
7: I was in my backyard
0: one day playing hide the sequel Line, and seek with a couple friends of mine, William Travis.
7: Marlon Lowe is 10 years old and weighs about 60 pounds.
6: 5, 1,007, 1, 1,008, 1,009,
0: 1,010. Ready or not, here I come. And uh, I run around the house.
7: Suddenly, something descends upon him from above.
0: Something just swooped down and grabbed me. I didn't, I didn't hear it, didn't smell it, didn't see nothing coming. So I looked up, and I seen a big old bird.
7: According to Lowe, the bird uses its long curved talons to grasp the sleeves of his tank top and lift him at least a foot into the air. Marlon's mother, Ruth, sees the attack from the house.
0: Oh, my mom, she took off at me when she seen it. She took off running at me.
7: Marlon struggles to free himself. Already, the bird has carried him a distance of nearly 40 feet.
0: And it dropped me, and when it dropped me, I just took off running. Mom! Mom! What
4: happened to
7: Marlin and four other witnesses watch, stunned, as the bird flies off.
0: Oh my God! And then, uh, I flew up in this tree right here. Tried to land in the tree right here. And it was too, too much weight, so they just took off flying on out of the tree and headed for the creek.
7: Marlon Lowe's mother files a report with the sheriff's deputy and a county conservation officer. He tells her that her son has been attacked by a turkey vulture. Not satisfied, Ruth Lowe researches large birds at the public library and concludes that the perpetrator was similar to a California condor.
0: But it looked kind of like a condor because it had a white ring and it was black.
7: Marlon Lowe and his mother describe a coal black bird with a white ring around its neck, a body as big as a man's, and a wingspan of more than 15 feet in length.
1: A good friend of the show, Seth Breedlove, and his troupe, Small Town Monsters, is putting together a documentary based not only on Marlin's experience, but the entire Thunderbird legacy. I don't have a release date yet for that, but it's definitely something you're gonna to wanna to keep your eyes open for. Thank you again, Sarah, for taking the time to share your call. Hopefully this gives you a little bit of insight on what others have seen. And in the meantime, I'm certainly going to do my research on the witches that you spoke of. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us was written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support was provided by Warren Pond Abbott, Addie Lloyd, and Tony Bell. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And music for this episode was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. I knew you would stick around and I knew I didn't want to let you down. I'm feeling awfully lazy today, so instead of reading a secret story, I'm going to play a secret call instead. So the following is Candy's call out of the state of New York.
8: Hi Derek, my name is Candy and I'm calling from New York. And I'm calling because I heard you in another podcast about a week ago mention Black Panther's. And I wouldn't have ever thought of Black Panthers as being anything more than a natural animal, but uh, certainly not seen in this part of the country. And about eight years ago, I was driving down a little back road in Connecticut, which is right over the border from where I live in New York, and I thought I saw a standard poodle, a black standard poodle, a large variety and it looked like it was staggering to me because, you know, dogs have a certain loping walk and uh, I drove up to see what the heck was the matter with this animal and as I approached and my vision got clearer, I could see that it was not a dog at all, it was actually a large black cat about 5 feet long had a thick muscular tail about three feet long every muscle in this black shiny coat was visible as it walked and it looked over its right shoulder at me where I saw its face and looked back ahead and took one bounding leap off the left hand side of the road into a thicket of trees I drove up another I don't know probably 75 feet and parked by where it ran into the woods and got out of my car probably foolishly to see if I could see it and possibly get a picture but it was gone it just blended right into the woods and I couldn't see anything but I was so shocked and surprised at what i'd seen i went home and looked up any kind of conservation department that i could report this to and i was told that it was probably a bobcat or a mountain lion now it's a possibility that it's a black mountain lion i mean i guess that's a possibility but it certainly wasn't a bobcat and it was nothing else because i saw it in broad daylight within 75 feet at the closest and it was quite visible that it was a large black panther so i don't know how to explain that but that's what i saw and i figured i'd share it with you so thank you for your show i enjoy it very much and i'll keep on listening have a good day
1: thank you candy now as i mentioned in the very first episode of this podcast I discussed the possibility of a black or melanistic cougar or mountain lion, and while I won't say it is not possible, that mutation has never been proven to exist in that particular species, which would mean that what people like Candy and even myself are seeing is something completely different. And speaking of my encounter, I recently sat down with my brother Trevor to discuss our sighting in the very first deep dive episode on Patreon. So if you'd like to hear our breakdown on what happened to us, you know what to do. That's one more sighting, one more piece of anecdotal evidence to help us solve this little mystery. Thank you again for taking the time to share your call and thank you for sticking around to the end of this show. Have a good night.
6: It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To connect with us. To see that no detail is too small. To be our special guest. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle, but it becomes an exceptional experience. The Invitation to Lexus Sales Event. Your invitation is always open. But the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.